going off telling everybody's life. Uh, but we're in First Peter chapter one this morning. And again, we're going to look at all being secure, and and it's coming out of the first two verses. And we we studied this several weeks ago as our lesson, Sunday school lesson. But there's more to it, and than the, the first two verses that we're going to read uh, is chock full of stuff. Even though you you kind of glance over it, it doesn't look like there's a lot there. There's quite a bit there for us uh, to help us when it comes to confirming our, our security. Uh, I'll say it that way, I guess. Because some people struggle with security. Some people have a hard time with security, and not just uh, in uh, when it comes to salvation, but just security in general. They have a hard time finding security in this life. A lot of people will try to find security in a job. A lot of people will try to find security in a good retirement plan. They'll try to find security on riding the coattail of the family name. That's one. That's a lot of people will try to do that to find security and find uh, comfort, knowing that they can do things in this life because of their status and who their family is or who they are. Uh, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Uh, I'm gonna read you this real fast here. I, I like this. Uh, I think I've read it before here. It says during a conversation with the trapeze artist, the performer admitted that the net underneath was there to keep them from breaking their necks, but added. The net also keeps us from falling. Imagine there is no net. We would be so nervous that we would be more likely to miss and fall. If there wasn't a net, we would not dare to do some of the things that we do. But because there is a net, we dare to make turns. And once I made three turns thanks to that net. The turn that's where they do their little flip things, I guess. But that they were focused. If the net wasn't there, we would be nervous. Okay, so if the net wasn't there, they wouldn't want to, to, to swing across in those trapeze things or, or to do all the flips and the things that they do. But because there is something there to catch them, they're more willing to step out and to perform. Sounds a lot like a Christian, don't it? Because we know that we have the strong arm of God to protect us, we are more willing to step out into this world and perform. And to do the things that God has called us to do, but it's because we have a net, because we have His strong arm to keep us and to hold us, we can do more for Him. And I, I appreciate the fact that we have a strong arm to keep us. That I don't have to go through this world trying to figure out if I'm going to fall and break the net. I know that God's going to catch me, no matter how far I fall. I know that God will catch me and He will keep me. True security can only be found in God, though. You're not going to find it in anything worldly. You will not find it in anything that is man-made. You're not going to find it in anything that you feel like that you, know, you have done in your life. Anything that you have done will not keep you secure. The only thing that you have done that will keep you secure is whenever you came to Jesus as a sinner and asked Him to save you. Amen. That's the only thing that you have done Amen. to save you. That's just you asking Him in your heart. And when we know we're in His arms... We can do big things in God. When we are in, I mean, in His arms, we can do big things. I can't do things. The Bible tells us that we can't do anything. Jesus tells us without me, we can do nothing. So without Him, we can't do anything. In His arms, we can do great, big, mighty things. We dare to be holy when we're in His arms. We dare to be obedient when we're in His arms. We dare to, to because... We know that we're in his strong arm. Just think about being obedient. That's 
That's something that pleases parents. When your children are obedient, right. when they listen to you, when they mind you and they tell you that, that what was it, Ethan, you said you were going to do a while ago? You said you were going to be quiet here in church? You're doing pretty good so far, ain't you? He's fixing his hair. He's putting his lips on it. <laughs> it makes that, don't make a parent happy when your kids are obedient, when they listen to you. That's what God wants from us as his children. Just just mind me. Just obey me. Just listen to my commandments. Just do what I've asked you to do. Just follow these commandments. Just love one another. Just love your neighbor. Just love me as your God. He don't ask a lot of his children. Most parents don't ask a lot of their children. Just mind me. Just listen to me. We do it because of what? Their safety. Their growth. We want to see them grow up. We want to see them become uh, fine young men and women. We want to see them safe, out of harm's way. That's what we want. That's all God wants out of us. He said, I just want my children safe. He said, I want to protect them, but I want them to obey me too. I want them to listen to what I have to say, and I would really like it if they would just do what I say. Sounds a lot like a parent now too, don't it? It's important for us to understand this morning when we read this, that Peter's writing to people who are suffering. He's writing to people that are they're hurting, they're being persecuted. He's writing to uh, five of the Roman provinces that are under Nero's uh, authority right now because they're being persecuted. They're being they're suffering. They're going through so much in this life, in this Christian life right now. Because remember, uh, uh, Peter here, after Jesus has ascended, he's going back to heaven. Peter becomes kind of the leader of the church. And so he has a lot on his plate. Poor old Peter, that he's got a he's got, I want to say the way of the world in some points, on his shoulders because Jesus has ascended. Now Jesus has given these twelve full authority, full power to go out and to preach and to minister and to do what, what Jesus was doing here. And he says, Now here's Peter. Leave my sheep. If you love me, leave my sheep. Leave the flock. Leave the church. And so Peter has this responsibility on him. And as a leader, he is taking this responsibility to the highest level that he could. And so now he knows that the people that are following Jesus, the people that have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, the people that have given up everything in this life and in this world that they can imagine have given it up to follow Jesus, now they're being persecuted. Nero has sent the army out to find them and right. to hunt them down and to slaughter them. Can you imagine what they're going through? Can you imagine what these people are feeling at this time? Can you imagine the fear that is filling them up and the uncertainty and the insecurity because of what they have done? What they have done was not wrong. What they've done was not wrong. What they've done was accept Jesus and to follow Him. That's not wrong, folks. We'll never be wrong when we put God first. They was not wrong, but they were persecuted for what they believed in. And Peter said, I've got to encourage them. I needed them to know that because they love Jesus and they've asked Him into their heart, that they are eternally secure. Yes, they're going to be persecuted, but they will be secure in His strong arm. So Peter's trying to be an encouragement here. And he's trying to help them because guess what these folks are doing? They're wandering. Not, not thinking as in wandering, but they're wandering. They're wandering, wandering around trying to find a place to live. 
trying to find a place to work. They're trying to find safety, shelter, security, employment, food. They got nothing because they are so persecuted. These Christians can't even feed their families. It's that bad. Peter said they need encouragement. And so he writes to them as believers, as these believers were, they were literally being hunted down and slaughtered for their beliefs. You can't tell me we ain't a blessed church right now. You can't tell me we ain't a blessed nation right now. We don't have to worry about this. We're not that first generation of Christians that Peter's writing to right here. I don't know what generation we are. We're on down the line. But as a church and as a nation that we live in right now, we are blessed. But we still need encouragement. Peter is going to encourage us as much this morning as he did the persecuted Christians back then. We need reminders. The church needs reminders about our security. We tend to think that when things go wrong in this life, where's God? Where's he at? He didn't show up again. No, he's there. Because he said he's going to be there. He's there in the mornings. He's there in the evenings. He's there when we go to bed at night. He's always going to be there with us. We need reminders that he's going to be there. These believers desperately needed encouragement and security. Desperately. We do too sometimes. We need to be reminded of that. Of that security. How do we shore up and strengthen a person who is suffering and hurting so much. We have to, that's part of our job as Christians. We are to scotch, I call it scotch, I'm not sure we're up at scotching. We got to scotch these people. Next Sunday, uh, our, our friend Bobby Hicks is going to be uh, preaching. And he said, you, What are you doing next Sunday night? Now, this is the 4th of July. And uh, I said, I, I'm nothing. I don't, I'm not really big on fireworks thing. And uh, he said, Well, I'm preaching at Grace Baptist Church. Can you? you pray for me? And I said, how about if I come scotch you? I don't mind good scotch you, brother, at all. Well, how do we scotch, how do we shore up these Christians in our lives that are struggling? Well, there's only one way. There's only one way. And first and foremost, they have to know that they know that they know that they know that they're saved by God's good grace. Once they know that they're saved, it makes things a lot easier for the Christian. Right. It makes things a lot easier for that brother or that sister to go up and scotch them and, 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 uh, and shore them up and to encourage them. Because we don't have to worry about their salvation. We don't have to worry about the, the things of this world really getting them down because we know that they have a promise of eternal life. We know that they have a Savior that they are serving. We know that. They know that. And it makes it a lot easier for us to, to scotch them and encourage them. They have to be absolutely sure that they are under the care and love of God. If you're not saved, you don't know that. If you ain't saved, you don't know that you have that love and that security from God. You've never experienced it before. But once you experience it, man, I tell you what, it's something to talk about, something to brag about, something to tell people about. So we've got to make sure before we can help anybody, we've got to make sure they're saved. You need to really talk to them make sure they're saved. If you're going to stand with me just a moment, we're just going to read two little verses. I feel like we've read this three or four times this month, but it's okay. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect 
according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we uh, read an encouraging few words here, just from Peter. Lord, it may be for a persecuted people, a persecuted church, but Father, we need to hear it today. Oh, the love of God that has been poured out upon each and every one of us. The mercy that he shows to each and every one of us. The, just the, the grace that abounds daily for each one of us. Lord, we need that reminder sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in self. Sometimes we get caught up in the world. Lord, today I pray that whatever is said and done, we encourage someone here at the church. Somebody, someone that might be listening this morning. It may be an encouragement to them. Those that may feel persecuted. It may just be verbally. But Lord, I pray that they would find encouragement knowing that they are secure in your arms, that that strong arm is wrapped around them, God. and Lord, that love is deep down inside their hearts, and that you're not going to leave them or forsake them. God, we thank you again for this message. Lord, just thank you for these uh, short few words here that Peter wrote to be an encouragement to us and to those early Christians as well. And I pray, Lord, that whatever is said up today, we just honor you. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. Absolutely. First thing we'll look at this morning is because we're secure in God, our home is in heaven. Now you all might think that I'm going to be kind of repetitive because some things we're going to talk about this morning I preached on the past few weeks and Keith's been teaching on the past few weeks. But I, you, we, Christians, because we are secure in God, we know where our home is. That, folks, that's why I'm going to start that out with number one. That's encouraging, to know where our home is. True believers are only strangers scattered all over the earth. That's what Paul's telling us. True believers, the Christians, we're scattered. We're pilgrims. Remember growing up in school, we talk about pilgrims. We always talk about the, you know, Thanksgiving, and they got them big, tall, funny hats, and you see the, 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 what is that, that horn of, the horn of what? Horn of plenty. That's what we think of. We think pilgrims and the Indians, the Indians, nothing about heads. But we think about these people. We think about these pilgrims. Folks, we're pilgrims. We're everywhere. You got it. <laughs> there, we're everywhere. There are pilgrims everywhere. We might not be wearing big tall hats. We might not be looking for turkey to eat. Most of us are looking for bacon. We don't look, we might not be that kind of pilgrim, but folks, we're still pilgrims because we don't belong here. We don't belong on this earth right now. We are only passing through just a short time because we're heading to heaven. That should secure us. That should make us happy. That should put a smiley face knowing that whenever I'm done passing through here on earth, whenever I'm done in North Carolina or Watauga County or Avery County, wherever I'm at, that I leave here and I go home to heaven. That's security. That Security. Amen. Man, that right there just keeps me going. Strangers. I'm going to read this to you. Stranger means alien, or a pilgrim, or a sojourner, a visitor, or exile. I'm just a visitor. Just a visitor. That's it. Not that I left the comforts of heaven like Jesus by no means. I was born a visitor. I'm going to die a visitor. But once I die as a visitor, I'll be back home. I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. We're citizens of heaven. Our true home, it is with Jesus. 
Again, I know we've talked about it, but it's just we need that encouragement. We need that reminder pretty often here in the, in the days that we're living in. This right. means that no matter the troubles and trials that we experience on this earth, it's only for time. Only for time. The suffering that we're going through right now, whatever you're going through right now, because we're all suffering through something, it's only for a short time. That should be encouraging. You might be sick right now. Folks, it's only for a short time. You might be looking for more money. Pay off your bills. You're not going to have to work your tail off for a long time. It's just a short time because we're only passing through. One day, we're going to get to go home to be with the Father. And we'll not experience any of this anymore. John told us in Revelation what we get to experience. No more crying. No more suffering. No more pain. We know that. And so I'm, that's encouraging to me to know that I'm not going to have to deal with that anymore when I am in heaven. This means that we should keep our eyes and minds focused on heaven as our permanent home. Temporary. What was it? Ethan, what is it you called your beach house? What do you call your beach house? Your new home? Is that your new home? When I heard Carolyn was telling us about that, or maybe it's seen one of both of us, I know he said that, we talked about his new home. That tickled me to death when he talked about his new home. That's the kind of excitement that we should have. The excitement of a young and when they're at the beach in a new place and he calls it his new home. That's the kind of excitement that we're supposed to have as Christians, knowing that we have a new home. Amen. We have a new place to be. A new structure. A new land. And all our family. All our family that have, have gone on before us to heaven. So we get a new home and we get a happy reunion. That new home. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Right. Not seen is eternal. I've never seen my home. Y'all ever seen your home? You ever seen that mansion that, that he's building for you right now? I ain't seen. Keep going, if you get ready to build a house, you kind of need a blueprint or something to go by, don't you? Just, it's kind of hard to just throw some block and stick up and throw a roof on. You kind of need to see where you're going. What, what, what's that finished product going to look like? I have no clue what my finished product is going to look like. I don't know. But I do know what the Bible says right here. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. I know that wherever I'm going, whatever home he's building me right now, it's going to last right. forever. And it will be perfect. It will be absolutely perfect. As the song says, it's not made by hands. I know it will be perfect. What's scary to have as a believer to know that all of this that we're going through right now it's only temporary. Number two, I chose to be a child of God so I'm held secure in Him. I chose. I chose this. I chose to be His child. I could have easily rejected him. I could have got up October 27, 19, October 28, 1997. I could have got up from that pulpit or from that pew and walked straight out that door and said, absolutely not. I don't want it. I want nothing to do with 
and go out that door and rejected Jesus. I could have. But guess what? I didn't. I chose God. I chose heaven over hell. I chose Jesus over Satan. I chose eternal security in my Lord and Savior and not hell. Torture, torment. I chose that. You choose that. God don't appoint that to you. God doesn't say this bunch is coming here and this bunch is going there. He knows who's coming and going. But he leaves it up to you to figure out if you want to come or go. Foreknowledge. Look at that verse 2 again. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Foreknowledge. It means awareness of something before it happens or exists. God doesn't choose some for heaven and condemn the rest of hell. That's not my God. He don't just say, all right, all these people that live in this country are going to come here, and all these people who live in this country are going to go there. God said, I gave him all of the God's Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, it's for everybody. Take it or leave it. You can have it if you want it. If you want it, you can choose it. Or you can reject it. So that's encouragement to those who are severely persecuted by their faith. That's encouragement, knowing, just knowing that they chose that life to live, that Christian life, they chose it, and that they're secure in that, knowing that God's going to protect them. The foreknowledge of God means he already knew beforehand. He knows. He knows us. If you're sitting here this morning, he knows you. If you're listening this morning, he, he knows you because he made you. Right. And he loves you. Whether you love him back or not, he still loves you. If we understand God's foreknowledge and we can trust what Paul says right here in Romans 8, 28, says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. How can God work all things out? Sounds like a lot, don't it? That's a lot to ask of somebody. Right. Work all things out. I remember when I started working at Bull Rock Police Department, my very first day there. I'll never forget this day and night. I walked in, and Sharon Van Dyke was there, and she was training me, and she said, you got to answer the phone? I said, yeah. She said, can you type on the computer? And I said, yeah. She said, good luck. She turned around and walked out. My very first day, I'd never sat in this dispatch center before. She said, you'll work it out. I got to thinking about that. That's a lot of responsibility to try to work out. Just just that, just just as a dispatcher, just trying to work that out on my own. I can't imagine one person, my God, trying to work out everything in our lives. He's working it all out for us. How can he work out all things? He's one of them, them three O's me and Keith like talk about. I can't never remember. He's omniscient. Which means he is all-knowing. Right. All-knowing. He knows every single thing. Growing up, as a little kid, you look up at your parents, for a little while anyway, and you think, man, they know everything. They know everything. Then you get a little older, and we know nothing. We know nothing. My dad, he loves to tell this story. When I was little, he was uh, putting a swarm of bees in and I was there with him. I was a little tiny fella. 
He's up on the ladder. I was watching him do his little thing up there with the bees. I said, Dad, where did the bees go in the winter? And he just pretty quick locked. He said, they go to Florida. <laughs> and I said, and this is what I told him. I said, gee, Dad, you know everything. He felt guilty. Then he had to tell me the truth. <laughs> they stay in the box all winter. They thought not. Gee, Dad, you know everything. That's, that's the way we should look at God. Every time he answers a prayer, every time that he sustains us, every time that he provides for us in our lives, we ought to just look up and say, Gee, Dad, Amen. you know everything. Amen. Gee, God, you know everything. How do you know everything? Because he's God. He's everywhere. We can rest assured he knows what is going on, and we can trust him, and we need to believe him. When he says, I'll protect you, I will save you, I will keep you, I'll give you whatever you need, not want, we need to believe that, understand that. And when he says that we're secure, we're, we're going to talk about sanctification here in a minute, but when he says that you're secure and you're sanctified, he means that you are secure you are sanctified. You are set apart, completely set apart. Number three, I'm sanctified by the Holy Spirit, so I'm held secure by God. We're sanctified. We are so set apart. We are so different. And that's a good thing. I don't mind being sanctified. At all. Because that means God has said, all right, this is a this is a trashy bunch of sinners over here. We're just going to put these people that are sanctified, we're going to we'll put these cleaned up sinners over here. So there's a difference. We're all sinners. Every one of us sinners. But as... Someone that's been saved by God's good grace, I've been sanctified. I've been set apart. I've been made different. Keep reading there in verse 2. It says, through sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctified means to be set apart or made holy by God. Before anyone can come to Jesus for salvation, they have to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. Well, I know we're talking about this. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. To be saved, you've got to be drawn first by the Holy Spirit. They have to be convicted of their sins and then turn to God for forgiveness. They have to. Once that has taken place, they're sanctified. They're set aside. They're completely different. That's why when we feel the Spirit of God working in our hearts, we need to respond. We've got to respond quickly. When we feel that movement of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we can't just sit and wait for it to pass. It's not indigestion. You don't just sit there and wait for it to move on. We've got to act. That's why he wants us to be prompt and quick. When he hits us, when the Holy Spirit moves inside of us, he says you need to act and act fast. It's like them infomercials. Don't delay. Time is running out. This price won't last forever. It's not going to last, but when you see the little calendar on the TV, count down, you've got 19 minutes before this thing runs out. Holy Spirit says, here you go. This is what we need you to do. We need you to move and move now. Don't delay. Act fast. What he wants us to do. But we, we tend to not do that. We tend to drag our feet. Now, I want to look at sanctification real quick. Again. Guess what I can't do? I can't sanctify myself. I can't. I can't make myself holy. I can't set myself apart. Now, I can take myself out of certain crowds. I can take myself out of places that I shouldn't be. 
But I can't set myself apart like God can. Yes, something, what, something else I can't do. Beyond popular belief, I can't sanctify you. Just because I've been called to preach don't mean I can sanctify. Just because I've been called to preach don't mean that I can set you aside and make you different from the world. I can't do it. And I'm going to bust somebody's bubble right now. You can't sanctify yourself. You might have put yourself up on a pedestal and think that you're holier than thou. You can't sanctify yourself. Only God can do the sanctification. Only God can set you aside. Only God can make you different from the world. That's what He does. He makes us different. He doesn't want us to be like this ugly world that we're living in right now. That's not what He wants. He wants us to be different, to be made holy, to be right, made amen. clean. To not be marred with the stuff of this world, but to be washed in the blood of Jesus. And he'll sanctify us. He's going to set us aside. As the rest of this verse right here teaches us, it's only through that blood of Jesus. You can't get there no other way. Pine Mountain Railroad sings a song. Actually, a lot of people sing it. it talks about how you get to heaven. So it's about going through the gate. It's so high you can't go over it. It's so low you can't go under it. So wide, you can't go around it. You must go in through the gate. You must go in through the blood. You've got to go through the blood of Jesus Christ to get Amen. there. There is no other way. But it's through the blood. I can't work enough to achieve sanctification. You can try. It ain't going to work. Thank God it doesn't depend on the works to be, our works to be sanctified. That's, a, that's, I'm very thankful that there's nothing, no works that we can do here on earth. To justify or sanctify ourselves. It is all through Jesus. It's all through Jesus. That's it. You might say, well, how is that secured? It doesn't depend on me. That's secured. Because it doesn't depend on me. Because I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail yourselves. We're going to fail each other. God will never fail us. So if God will never fail us, then I know I'm secure. He's not going to lose us. He's not going to drop us. We're not going to lose the light of his little fingers, big fingers, whatever. We're not going to get lost since we've been found. Number four, because I'm held secure by God, I should be obedient towards God. We owe him that. For all that he has done for us, should we not mind him? Should we not honor him? Should we not listen to him? Keep going through verse 2 here. It says, And to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. When we really believe in Jesus, I mean, when we have asked Him into our hearts, when we really trust the blood of Christ to cover our sins, we will obey Him. You're going to want to obey Him. You're not going to want to disobey Him. What happens when youngins disobey their parents? Well, back in my day, this is what happened. I got my tail wore out. I'm about y'all. Whether it be with a stick or a limb or a belt or a hand or glass of water, breeze rubber spoon, whatever it might be, I got wore out. If I didn't mind my parents, if I wasn't obedient to my parents, and it only took a time or two for me to learn I need to mind my parents. Except for my sister, and that's another story. 
I don't think they beat her enough, to be honest with you. Is that right? Just agree. Just tell her I said that. Hebrews 11, 6 tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to obey him. When you do good, when you mind your parents, are you not rewarded somehow sometimes? Maybe you go out for ice cream, or maybe you get a toy, or something like that. When you, when you clean your room up, mow the yard, feed dogs, whatever it is, when, you, when you're obedient and you mind them, they'll reward you eventually. It might not happen every single time, but when you do good for your parents, they reward you. All God's asking for us is just obey Him. Mind Him. And He will reward us with blessings. Amen. He will bless us for being obedient sons and daughters of His. He will, he will reward us through whatever it might be, whatever the blessing might be. But He will reward us for being obedient to Him. That's the purpose of sanctification, that we might be obedient to God. The one thing God wants is obedient children. Ain't that what every parent wants? Obedient kids. Lord, just make them mind Make them listen to me. For a little while, it works. God wants us to follow his word and instructions and believe in him. Because God saved us from the wrath of Satan, the very least that we can do is be obedient. Because God gave his only begotten son, why can't we just mind him? Why can't we just listen to him? Why can't, why can't we just say, all right, if that's what you say, I'll do it. Why is that so hard for us? Why is that so stubborn? We're stubborn people. Number five, last one. Because I'm held secure by God, I experience God's grace and peace. The last part of verse two says, Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Ain't that that's not the end. Okay, that's 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 the second verse. That's the end of the second verse Peter's writing there. Ain't that a good way to start out a letter to, to a bunch of persecuted Christians? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. I like that. He could have ended his letter that way, but he started it out. Is that not encouraging to start out reading something and saying, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you? Peter wanted to be an encouragement from the get go. That's an encouragement to each one of us. Grace means undeserved favor or blessing. The word undeserved is the, is the key to understanding grace. We absolutely 100% do not deserve God's favor. We don't. Absolutely not. But he loves us. He gives it to us anyway. We can't earn God's approval or blessing. He's too high. We're too low. We, can't, we just can't do it. We deserve nothing from God except judgment, condemnation, and punishment. That's what we deserve. Do I deserve heaven? No. Do I deserve blessing? No. Do I deserve his love? No. Should I get that grace and mercy every single morning I wake up? Absolutely not. I don't deserve it. But he gives it to me. Because he loves me. And he loves you. Unconditional. Unconditional. No matter how bad you might talk about him or how bad that you might not 
uh, rely on him, or how much you might not rely on him, he still loves you. God is love. Therefore, God made it possible for us to experience the grace through his son. It took Jesus. It took Jesus. There. We're in the age of grace now. Because of Jesus. I love that. Peace means to be bound, joined, and woven together. I love definitions on some of these things. Peace means to be bound, joined, or woven together. It means to be assured, confident, and secure in the love of God. Assured and confident in the love of God. Do you ever wonder if somebody loves you or not? Does it ever cross your mind? Do they really love me? Do they really love me? That had, had better never ever cross your heart or your mind. God. You should never wonder if God loves me. That's, that's impossible for him to do, not love somebody. Those people that say, I've been too bad, I can't be saved. Jesus won't have nothing to do with me. I've been too bad. I've, been, I've done too much bad in my life. He'll never love me. Yeah, he will. Absolutely will. He'll love you. And he'll love you unconditionally. He doesn't care about your past. He cares about your future. He cares about your heart. He wants you to be saved. Totally up to you to do that. We can't experience true peace apart from the peace that God gives us through faith in Jesus. And that, when you experience that grace and you experience that peace, like the Bible says it's a peace that passes all understanding. We don't get it, but we get it. I love it. I love that grace, that peace that He gives us. That peace that we get whenever we pray to Him. We're hurting, we're struggling so bad with whatever's going on in our life, and we pray to God, say, Lord, help me. I can't do this on my own, and boom, you get that sweet peace. You get that feel. You get that, I can't even explain what it is, but it's that warm, fuzzy feeling. It's that peace that he gives you because he loves you, and he loves you unconditionally. Stand with me, we're close out. Father, this evening, this week, we'll close this service out. Lord, I pray that each person in the sound of my voice today has that peace Thank you, God. and that understanding of salvation. They know that they know that they know that they got things right with you a long, long time ago. Maybe it was yesterday. Lord, they know they've got it. And they have that peace. They have that understanding in their heart that things are right between you and them. And Lord, I pray that this would be an encouragement to somebody this morning, knowing that through salvation, we are eternally secure. We can't get rid of it. We would get rid of it. You ain't going to get rid of us. We're not going to slip through the cracks. We're not going to be taken back by the devil. Even though he might mess with us a little bit, we're still secured in your arms. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through the rest of this life as we talked about with those trapeze artists and, and how they depend on that net as Christians we depend on that strong arm Thank you, God, God I pray Thank that you will continue to wrap that loving arm around us and keep us secure as we walk through this old filthy earth God I pray that you would work, work with us and allow us to, to be molded and mature in the word and we can grow spiritually Thank and get a better understanding of it all that you've done for us and all that you're going to do for us.
God, I pray that you be with us this week. Lord, I pray that you continue just to work in this church as we prepare for Bible school. And God, I pray that you would draw those children into this church. God, I pray that you would just open the floodgates. And those that are lost, Lord, I pray they'd find salvation through your word while here. And Lord, I just want to thank you again for all your many blessings. I don't deserve them. By no means do I deserve them. But I thank you for them. Pray, Lord, you keep us safe this week and all that we do. Bring us back here at the next point of time. All this your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. You can go home if you want to, and I'll see you all in the morning.